So, fantastic problem, now that you've all sat down. Is it possible that uh, everybody over here could just fill in the seats this way? And everybody over here could maybe just fill in the seats that way? But there's a lot of room on the front row. I'm not sure why that's not filled up, but uh, I won't take offense to it as far as you know. Hey, have you guys ever played uh, that Dizzy Dean game that with the bat and the, you spin it around and, and till you get dizzy and puke? You know the game I'm talking about? Let, let me see if I can and show it to you. you. You take a bat and you put your head down and then you spin around. and you do it. I do that a half a turn and I don't get a little dizzy. Uh, anybody's played that or seen somebody play that? Show of hands. Oh, you're a much better showy hand person than the first. The first. You, you can barely get them to do it. So this is going to be a good. This is going to be a good time. So you do that, and and what I've found is that young people don't get. They're better at it because you spin around and you spin around, and then you're supposed to do something. Maybe it's run a relay, and so you're supposed to run a straight line back, and everybody tries to go straight, but they go this way. Or or you're supposed to hit a baseball. Or uh, we did it with a bunch of uh, pastors at my church, and they threw a football to you, and then you're supposed to kick it. So we had to do it twice. The first time I kicked it off to the left just barely. The second time I kicked it further, but it went behind me. I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, but then there was some young buck that he, he got it and just, just like he w- wasn't dizzy at all, just got it and just booted it like 40 yards straight ahead. And what I find is that uh, young people, uh, they have no spouse, they have no kids, and they have no life, and they have no responsibility. So of course they're going to be better balanced than us old people who have so much on our minds that we spin and get it all garbled up, and then we fall over. You know, have you, you know anybody that's just generally kind of, uh, uh, how do I say, they trip a lot, a little dizzy? Anybody? If they're here now, don't say anything, because that would be mean to them. But it, you realize that we're all good at balance. We're all good at balance, because if you walk, mo- most of you can walk, you're in a constant state of falling when you walk. But because you put one foot in front of the other and, and you do it in the right fashion and you balance your weight, you're in balance. And that's just the fact that you're sitting straight up right now, for most of you, the fact that you're sitting up requires a little bit of balance or you'd fall forward or off to the side or, or whatever. We all, we all want to be balanced. It's terrible to be out of balance. Out of balance. Anybody ever had vertigo before? Oh, my father-in-law's here. He's got his hand way up. He, it, that's like the worst Vertigo is that dizziness, like it, it would be like the worst drinking you ever did, I guess, and you lay down and the head spins, but this, this time there's no drinking. Well, maybe there is, and that's double trouble, but you, there's no drinking, and, and you, you feel like the bed is just flipping over, and then it makes you nauseated, and you, oh, it's just awful. It's awful. You just, you, like, it's terrible to be out of balance. It's terrible to be out of balance with your checkbook. It's terrible to be out of balance with your car as you're driving around because you hit a certain speed, it seems fine, and all of a sudden you hit a certain speed, and then because you know it's time for an alignment. It's time for a recalibration. Certain instruments need to be calibrated. They need to be reset. They need to be put back into a fixed position that works. We don't want to be out of balance with our schedules, with our family, with our work, or with anything else. When we're out of balance, it just seems like the world is jacked up. Like everybody just doesn't know what they're doing. When we're out of balance, we sometimes get fatigued and we get a little tired and we get a little angry and we get a little irritated and it's then that we, we start blaming others. And we look at our parents and we look at our kids and we look at our work and we look at the government. We look at our educational system and we go, how could you? We look at our teachers and, and we blame someone else. And then we try to manage our life 
by putting it in equal portions. Like I got, my, I got God and I got family and I got my work, and, but that's an exercise in futility because nothing in life is equal. Nothing comes at us that we can just stack nicely on top of each other with the same size boxes. Balance could be described as this. I've put it on the screen. I'm, I'm pretty excited about what I think God wants to share with you this morning. I know this is just another Sunday for you, but I'm, but I'm telling you this is a different one. Right? This is going to be different if, you, if you'll follow along and try to engage with this. Balance. Think, think about this. Think for just a minute. To engage various aspects of your life and not feel your heart or mind being pulled too far in any direction. Let that sink in for just a second. That's a pretty decent, I didn't come up with that. I forgot who did, but it's good, isn't it? Balance is to engage with the various aspects of your life and not feel your heart or your mind being pulled too far. They're going to be... Balance typically allows us to be a little calmer, right? We feel a little more well-grounded. We might feel a little more content. We might be a little more at peace when there's balance in our life. It just seems like even though there's still a lot of turmoil in things, we still got problems, we still got issues, there's still things to fix. We just get, we're just more in balance, we're just more in tune, we're more motivated, clear-minded. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, the scriptures are going to be up on the screens. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Life has ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. There are, there are, there's peace and there's turmoil. It's just, it's just constantly up and down. Nobody said it wouldn't be. You're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of the storm. And if you're coming out of the storm, be thankful because it's pretty soon you're going to go right back into another storm. Life is full of storms. We live in a fallen world. That's just what happens. But all of us can have a sense of balance. In the midst of that, here it is, it just takes a perspective adjustment. You can, that's worth writing down, you can have balance in your life, but it's going to take a perspective adjustment. Maybe even some introspection. Matthew 6.25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, listen now, listen. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Listen, listen. Listen with fresh ears. Let God speak. I know it's just another Sunday morning. I know you're ready to go out for lunch or whatever you're going to do. Listen with fresh ears and let God speak to you. 
Jesus is talking. He's talking to his, these people that are listening, and, and he's just preaching like out of nowhere, and, he, and he's using all these different illustrations like this. Look at the birds of the air, and you could, you could just see them all go, uh-huh, I see them. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, are you not much more valuable than they? Like, come on, McFly. Can any of you add... Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, why do you worry about clothes, teenagers? Wait, that's not, uh, that might be in the original Greek. <laughs> why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, the richest man in all the world, and all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, people that don't know God, they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first whose kingdom? His kingdom, that's God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Putting God first is not just for when we have big problems or big issues or big calamities or crises that happen in our life. God is to be the priority in all seasons and at all times. And that brings us to two things, two things I really want you to write down. If if you're not a big writer, write down anyway. Uh, If not, take a picture of these, these points up here. Two ways to get your life in balance. Number one, is that you've got to have a solid reference point, right? A solid reference point. As, I'm, as I have balance now in, in my bat, where is my reference point? Shout it out. Top of the bat, right? It's not the ceiling. The ceiling and these lights are my context. And my context changes, and then I get a bright red light, in, and it changes things, right? So I might want to raise it up, I might want to raise it down, but it's my, my reference point, you changed it to blue, I saw that. You changed the context, and that's how life throws you stuff. Well, you guys are good, you should have done that first service. Back here it's easier, because it's not as bright, and because the drummer's back here, and he's always cool. The drummer is always cool. And so you come over here, but my, my reference point never changes, it's always the top of the bat, because the minute that I take my eyes off of the reference point... I almost smash a, a keyboard. I get out of balance. The minute I take my eyes off the reference point, I get out of balance. God is the chief reference point of our life in the context of all of the junk that's going on in your life and in mine. And some of us have a context where there's strobe lights coming and all. Oh, it's just a whole big mess and almost impossible. It's almost impossible to keep your eye on the reference point. But we've got to keep our eye on God. And I hope to be able to explain what that means as we go. Mark 12, verse 20. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good response, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. God is to be the most important topic of every day, all day. And when God is the reference point, truly the reference point, for literally everything in our life, 
that he's the backdrop, he's the foundation, he's the, he's the context that, or, or what we put as the front of every context that we can have balance in our life. Not perfection, not a lack of problems, but we can be more, na- we can be more balanced while we navigate through the storms of our life in the context of our life. It was around 1400 B.C. the Israelites had developed a pattern with God as their reference point. They loved God. They really did. They put Him as their reference point, and all was good. But then they sinned, and they didn't just sin a little bit. This wasn't, you know what, I drank a little bit too much last night, and I'm like, I might have said a few things I shouldn't have. This wasn't, well, I got a little angry with the kids last night, and, and I'm, I'm kind of sorry for some of the things that I said. This wasn't that kind of a sin. This was the kind of sin where God said, look, you can do a lot of things, but there's, there's a no-no out there. You can't, you can't do this one. And that's to follow other gods. The Ten Commandments, Old Testament, New Testament, all, you can't follow another god. You can't worship another god. And so what would happen is these Israelite men particularly were leading their, their nation, and they would see some pretty hot foreign women from other countries. And God said, listen, don't marry foreign women. And it's not because God's prejudice, and it's not because he has anything against them. What he knew was the hearts of the Israelites were weak. And he knew when they hooked up with these foreign women, whose daddies had different gods than they did, and who they went and worshipped and had different rituals with other just useless gods and, and icons and different things, that, that when they got married, and when Mama said, we're going to go to Daddy's place and worship tonight, and he goes, well, I shouldn't do that because I love the, the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. He goes, no, we're going. That's my dad. You're going to go because Mama got to be happy, right? She's got to be happy. And, and God's foreseeing all this and going, don't do it. Don't even look at the foreign women. So what do the Israelites do? Wow, they're pretty. They're pretty. I want to marry you. And so they did, and they worshiped other gods. And God said, look, I told you not to do this, so I'm going to remove my blessing from you. And they did, and so then all those Israelites became slaves to those other nations. And they didn't like that, and the Israelites are going, this is a fair, I don't like this. And so they repent, and they cry out to God. They say, God, we're sorry, we shouldn't have done this, this is terrible. And so then God says, I'm going to redeem you, I'm going to send a deliverer, I'm going to send a judge, book of Judges, I'm going to send a judge who will come, and he will free you from captivity, from your enemies. And the Israelites are like, yeah, God rocks, and they're super stoked. And now they've got God back as their reference point. They go, this is awesome. God is great. We love him, and this is fantastic. And 20, 30, 40 years later, look at the pretty women in that country. They're so hot. I want to marry them. And so they go over, and they marry, and they do the same thing, and it happens over and over and over and over and over again. It's a cycle that just shouldn't be there. I want to focus on the, when they were stoked and excited because God delivered them with that judge and when they sinned and worshiped other gods. What happened in that space? I, I, don't, I think it's more than just hot women or an urge for them from another country. I, I don't think it was just that. I think in that space, from awesomeness, God is the number one reference point, to sin and turning our back on God, I think is they just weren't willing to do what it takes to stay close to God. He's always close to us, but sometimes we're not close to Him. They just weren't willing to pay the price. And that threw them off balance. 
Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Parents love to tell their kids this one. You guys should love knowledge and discipline. But then when God tells us that, we're going, that's not fair, that's not nice. I don't like that about God. Proverbs 5.11, at the end of your life you will groan with regret. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers and turn my ear to my instructors, and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Now I get it, all of us can struggle with discipline with correction. Nobody likes to be told you're not doing it right. Nobody likes to be told you need to change your ways. Nobody needs to be, nobody wants to be told, hey, I think you got, God's not your reference point anymore. You've gotten the reference point wrong. You're out of balance in your life. Nobody likes that. Nobody enjoys that. Goes, oh, that was so great. Thank you. Nobody, not even to a best friend. Now, they may like it eventually because it changes, but nobody enjoys something like that. But listen, if we're ever going to get balance in our life, If we're ever going to get in a state of balance, then we've got to have God as our reference point, a solid reference point. And we've also, this is the second thing I want you to write down. It's on the screen, and you can write it down in your notes or write in your head or take a picture or just forget it and don't even pay attention to me. But the second thing you need to do is make constant corrections. Do you see the bottom, what my hand is doing? My hand is always making corrections, and sometimes it makes small corrections, and sometimes it makes bigger corrections. It kind of depends on how I keep my reference. But it's making constant corrections. And those corrections could be all sorts of things, but here's what happens. The minute that I stop making corrections, I get out of balance. The bat falls. The minute you stop making corrections, you get out of balance. Christianity is hard. Serving God is hard. Loving God is hard. It's difficult. Following Jesus Christ is a it's a movement of trials and struggles. It was in the Bible. It's not a surprise. Following Jesus is difficult. The sanctification process of working out your salvation is not easy. And you've got to make constant corrections. And the minute that you are not constantly working on your faith, it's all about Jesus. Grace is free. But because we have all that free grace, we have got to be working it. And we're not. Maybe we're out of balance. Where, where might you need to, meet, need to make some corrections? You think about riding a two-wheeled Segway. Anybody ever rode one of those? I have not. I've seen people ride them, but they get on them and they just kind of, I watched Duck Dynasty do it, so about anybody could do it. But they ride around, Ethan, those wheels is just, I mean, there's all sorts of calibration that's going on. And if that thing got out of calibrated state, it'd be be on the ground. Sometimes we need to do that. And there's areas of our lives where we can begin to recalibrate. There's areas of our lives where we we can begin to fix, we can begin to straighten up, we can begin to to, to align. And here's five of them that I put on the screen. There's a mindset, mindset corrections of what's going on mentally in my head. There's physical corrections of my body. There's relational corrections uh, of, of my relationships with my spouse or my kids or my parents or my siblings or the workplace environment. There's financial corrections uh, that we could talk about forever. 
There's spiritual corrections in my relationship with God, my relationship with others, my faith. How am I growing? Let's leave that up there for just a second because nobody's writing this down. And they need to be writing this down. And I want to make sure they get it uh, or take a picture of it. Mindset, physical, relational, financial, spiritual. Those are just a few of the areas where we may need to tweak. We may need to begin to fix. We may need to begin to recalibrate what's going on in those areas and measure them where things just feel a little off. Because let me ask you, are you feeling a little tired, a little intense, a little irritated? Are you just kind of walking around disappointed? It could be because you're out of balance. It could be because, you know, even spiritually, we could talk about all kinds of things in our walk, but... You know, one of them could even be baptism. Depending on what kind of faith you come from, baptism is a, a, I mean, it's a staple. It's in the Great Commission. What Jesus says, he said, you need to go and make disciples. How do you make disciples? Well, you baptize them and teach them everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so some of us, some of us grew up uh, in my church, there's about half the people grew up in the Catholic faith. They say, I was baptized as a baby. And I go, hey, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that, but here's the thing. You didn't make that choice. Your parents did, and I'm not mad at you. You should be thankful that your parents brought you up in that kind of environment. That's a good thing, and maybe you didn't like Catholic school or something. That's another, that's another deal. We're not talking about that. The point is your parents brought you up in that environment and cared enough about you to spiritually have that ceremony, that thing done for you. That's awesome, but there comes a time when you stop having your diapers changed, you stop having your being fed, spoon-fed, that, that people, they stop making decisions for you, what you're going to wear and what shoes you're going to wear and how you're gonna, where you're going to go, and you start doing that on your own. You make your own decisions. And so water baptism that Jesus talks about here, the New Testament talks about, it's a stake in the ground going, it's my faith. I'm so thankful for the heritage of my parents and where they put me. This is my faith. But sometimes, oh, wait, those... Those theologies kind of clash because in my Catholicism, they said this, this, and this, and now you're telling me this, this, and this, and this. I don't want to debate all that. What I'm trying to say is, does it really matter? Does it really matter what Scott Matthews is teaching? Does it really matter what your Catholic priest was teaching? What, what does the Word of God say? I mean, seriously, let's just be, let's just be honest. I'm not trying to bash you, and, and I'm not, certainly not trying to bash Scott. He's dumb enough to keep asking me to come back here. So... So I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just saying, listen, it doesn't matter what I say, and it doesn't matter what you say, and it doesn't matter what he says, and it doesn't matter what some priest says. What matters is what does the Word of God say? And what did Jesus specifically say has a great commission for us to go out? He says, hey, I want you to make disciples. As you go, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Christ and you want to be in balance, make disciples. How do you do that? You baptize them and teach them. See, a lot of times we think making disciples is about getting in a good Bible study and really growing in our faith in the Word. That is ridiculous. That's not a good disciple. A good disciple does life with other disciples. Good disciples come alongside other disciples. Great disciples know people that don't know Jesus and are praying for them to meet Jesus, inviting them to lunch, going out to their places meeting them on their turf and connecting with them in a way that would draw them into a relationship with Christ. Being a genuine friend, regardless if they say yes, but as you go, as you go, make disciples. That's the Great Commission. That's your charge and mine. 
maybe your life's out of balance. When my life's out of balance and I'm sensing that I'm just kind of a little irritated with the world, a lot of times what I find is I need, I need one of four things. Number one, you can write these down. <coughs> Two, they'll be on the screen, is I need more Bible. The Bible is active. It is alive. It is supernatural. It will change your life. It helps you stay in balance. And a lot of times we need more Bible. It helps us to keep our focus where it needs to be. It'll transform us. Gives us wisdom. Keeps the reference points in those areas that we had up there, those five areas in check. Second area that I, when I'm out of balance, is I may need more rest. I may need more Bible, but I may need more rest. Rest is a big one. A lot of people, see, what, a lot of people, uh, we've been told you just got to work hard. And so what happens is, is you work hard and, and then you get tired and, and you still got to do a bunch of work and then you become inefficient. And then when you're inefficient, you need to do more work. So you do even more work and become even more efficient and less sleep. You don't have any rest. God was pretty clear in the Old Testament about the, about a, the Sabbath. He said you need to keep it holy. The New Testament affirms that. In Hebrews 4.9, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And so if you find yourself out of balance, you may want to check your rest. You may want to check your Sabbath, a day that you're setting aside, whether it's Sunday or some other day you're setting aside. This is, this is kind of my rest day and my holy day. That doesn't mean you can't go for a jog. That doesn't mean you can't go grocery shopping. But it's just a day off of kind of the grind. And it's, and it's devoted to the Lord. Just giving Him that day. The body is God's temple. So a third area, when my life seems out, ba- out of balance, do I need more health? And by that, I mean, do we need to make more healthy choices? Do I need, do I need a healthier diet? Do I need to exercise? Because there's nothing like a good workout. I hate working out. I hate it. I hate the 20 minutes knowing up to it that I'm going to be working out. I hate the stretching, knowing I'm going to go run. I hate it, and I hate every bit of the run that I do. I, other people, I love it. And after three miles, I, 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 I get numb, and I, and I can just run another 10. Why would you want to do that? If you're numb, your body's telling you, sit down. <laughs> I've never hit that when everything gets numb, and then, I could just go, I can go forever. No, I hate, I, I will be in forever if I keep running. I'm going to die and go to heaven. But what I love is afterwards, and I'm sweaty, and I know all these toxins have gotten out of my body, and I'm drinking water, and it's fresh water, and it's replenishing me, man, and there's, there's nothing like that. It's refreshing, and it's a way to help me get in balance. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And then, and then for some of you that pump iron or do anaerobic activity and stuff, you can feel your arms or something go, wow, I actually have a bicep. And, and you get in a shower and, and I'm washing my legs. I got these bird legs. I've got Smith legs. They're just, just, they're just bird legs and a bird neck, everything. I'm just a bird, except my belly. Now that one I got. That one is not a problem. But I'll wash. And I'm like, right now I'm like, dude, I, I got, right there, is, I, there's a muscle. And I have a calf now, because I've been running the last few weeks. I have a calf. Thank you. Before, it was just, it was just like a shin and another shin on the other side. <laughs> it's motivating, and it's healthy, but it takes discipline, and it takes reprioritizing some of your time, because something's got to go to give that, or you're going to do more, and then you're going to be more efficient and more out of balance. A final area when, when you feel like your life may be Im- imbalanced or unbalanced is uh, the fourth one. This is a big one. More obeyed promptings from God. More obeyed 
promptings from God. See, God's always prompting us. God is always prompting us. He, he, never, he never stops. And so he'll prompt us, and the thing is whether, we, whether we'll respond yes or no. And so he'll say, hey, listen, hey, Barry, you need to call so-and-so. You haven't talked to him in three years, but you need to call him, just check in. And I'm going, no, I'm not going to do that. That's super awkward. What am I going to say to him, and why would I call? I don't, you just need to do it, and I'll take care of it, God says. No, I ain't doing that. And I must have ate something weird for lunch, because that would just be weird to do that, so I'm not going to obey that. And God's like, well, that's not cool. And, and, and an obeyed prompting of God might be even like we talked about spirituality with baptism. And he may be saying, listen, you need to be baptized. You're going, I don't need to be baptized. That's some Old Testament. That's some Bible thing. That's, I ain't getting wet in front of a bunch of strangers. My makeup going to run all over. And I ain't going to be doing that. What are you thinking of? And God's going, no, you need to do that. It's not about your makeup or about your friends or about being embarrassed. Are you embarrassed of me? No, but you need to go out and do that. I ain't going to do that. That's weird. I don't know that pastor. Am I joining some cult? Am I going to be part of the membership? I don't know what's going on. And he's going, you don't need to worry about it. Go get in the water. And we don't obey him. And he goes, God, that's not cool. And all of a sudden, we're out of balance. Because we're not doing what he said. He's very clear. He's very clear in Scripture. He's very clear in the Great Commission, dude. You're not going to get him more like in your face than the Great Commission. As you go, make disciples. How do you do that? You baptize him and teach him. He didn't say you teach him and then you don't worry about baptism and do some other stuff. Baptize him and teach him. And he taught him about being baptized. Water immersion. Whether you join his church or not, I mean, it's a great church to join. It ain't about joining a church. You say, I was baptized as a kid. All right, well, did, did you choose Jesus or did you do it because there's a cute little girl from a foreign land that went up forward and you wanted to follow her and get baptized too at camp? You know, you do it when you mean it. There's only one baptism. But it's your baptism with the stake in the ground, the one you choose, not the one that was done to you. Not that there's anything wrong with that one. This all sets up your, your sermon and sentence, all right? This is something I, I challenge you to put this on social media. You say, I don't do much social media. I barely have a Facebook account. Awesome. Start it today. When my life seems out of balance, I may need more and then put line, 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 line period. Put that on your social media. Some of you are so spiritual that nobody's going to respond to this, anybody. But some of, some of your friends don't know Jesus, right? And you're still pretty cool on social media, and they might know you're a Christian, and you might post a little something now and then. That's benign. There's nothing on that that says anything about faith. Yes or yes? It's just benign. It's no big deal. Hey, my life seems out of balance. I may need more beer. When my life seems out of balance, I may need more sex. When my life seems out of balance, amen, now I've got the guys. Glad I came today, honey. That's all I need. I got it from the Lord. Let's go home right now. When my life seems out of balance, I may need more basketball, stock car racing, crocheting, I don't know, reading. You'll get all kinds of responses. But here's the cool thing. You're on mission from God. You are on mission to baptize and teach people. So when they do this sort of stuff, you can say, well, hey, what, what I found lately is that I, I, needed more, I needed more scripture in my life to transform my mind. And you can still be chill and you can still be cool and say that in your way, but make sure they know it's Bible is what it was. Or rest. And you, you might even bring in a Sabbath. You don't have to preach. You don't have to quote the scripture. But you can be people of faith 
in a very benign way on your social media. And that sums up everything we're, we're talking about today. And it might mean that you need less of something. Because, see, some people are great. They're super fit. Not many, but there's some people that are super fit because they go to the gym like 12 hours a day, and it affects their relationships, it affects their spouse, it affects their parenting, it affects everything. And if that's the case, you might need less of something. To be balanced, you need a little less. And in any of those things, you're going to have to cut out some things in order to add those things. You want more Bible? That's time. So you're going to have to cut out something, maybe a favorite, favorite show? I'm sorry. No, we won't do that. won't cut out the show. Okay. Uh, a hobby? You don't want to cut out your sleep because rest is one of the things, right? What are you going to cut out? John Maxwell said, talking about leadership, you've got to give up to go up. And what he said was, the higher you go up in, in spiritual Christian leadership, the more, you have, you, more rights you give up to go up. You'll never see a sign out, the Reverend Scott is here. (laughs) You'll never see that at this church. And if you do, I probably won't speak here again. Because I know him, and that just ain't the way we roll. He's going to park in the back. I always park out here on the side. Now, this time I parked up front on the road out there by the semis. That's just not an about. I I don't need a front row. Not yet. (laughs) I may need it later. If I keep jogging, I ain't going to be able to hardly walk anywhere. (laughs) You got to give up to go up. What are you going to give up to be able to have more Bible, more rest, more health, more obeyed promptings? Let's pray. Father, there are... there may be a few people here that have not given you their life yet, and I pray that today, because of the scriptures we've looked at, because of this simple presentation, that they would say, today's the day I want Jesus. I want the Jesus they're talking about. I want to engage with that guy. And if that's today, I I pray they would give up their old life to say yes to a new life. They'd give up their old ways to say yes to some new ways. Not to perfection, not full of grace and mercy and kindness and love, but but also a new way, a new perspective. Help us, God, to obey you in what you would cause us to do. And for the rest of us that maybe we see some areas in our life that they need some changes, may we be willing and obedient to those changes. And may we do it swiftly. Whatever it is, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how weird it may be, may we obey those promptings. And may your Son be glorified in it. In Jesus' name. Amen.